You are listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 174. From viral hit Little Miss Perfect to full-fledged musical with award-winning composer Jiraiya Kwame. Let's get started. My name is Maggie Barra, and welcome to another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com forward slash podcast. You can follow me for more tips on the actor lifestyle at Actor Aesthetic or my personal profile at Maggie Barra. All links are in the show notes. Now, please, let's get on to the show. So, you know that musical theater song everyone was singing on TikTok in 2020, especially at the height of the pandemic? Little Miss Perfect. Little Miss Perfect, that's me. Well, that's all Jiraiya Kwame. And believe it or not, it wasn't even part of a musical. In fact, it was written for a competition helmed by Mean Girl star Taylor Louderman. And in this episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with the mastermind behind it all, Jiraiya Kwame, about how his Little Miss Perfect went from a viral hit to a full-fledged musical to be staged at Goodspeed Musicals this summer. Also, how he used the momentum from TikTok and YouTube to have his work commissioned at major theater companies to get noticed by major players in the industry and what's to come. You don't have any idea. I I am so excited for Jariah. He is it. Like He is the next big thing, and you're going to be hearing a shit ton about him in the near future. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Straight hair, straight A's, straight forward, straight past. I don't cut corners. I make a point to be on time. Head out the student council. I don't. Jariah, like- I'm so glad to have you this week for the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. You know, our relationship over the past few years has been so funny how it's like come yeah. very full circle. And I, you know, just met you in person last month, I think, after knowing your work and loving everything that you do for years. So it's really amazing to have you. And I'm just so excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. Like you said, it's been such a, such a long pandemic time of Mm -hmm. like knowing each other virtually. Mm -hmm. So it was nice to put an in-person face to a (laughs) a name. Amazing. So Jariah, tell us uh, who you are and how you got started as a creative. Yeah, so I am Jariah Kwame. Um, I'm a musical theater composer and just writer in general, performer, producer. Um, I kind of got started in the church, singing in church with my, uh, both of my um, grandparents, grandfathers were pastors of churches. Um, and on my maternal side, my grandfather was a professional gospel singer. So music was always taught I was always taught that music is something that surpasses the sonic experience and can inspire people and can be something that can make people feel, you know, the anointing or whatever you want to call it. And so 
that really, I think, embedded itself into me. And then I started um, straying away from gospel a little bit and doing some R&B, hip-hop, pop type stuff and uh, opened for a lot of artists that I looked up to as a child and kind of did that whole situation, live music for a while before finding Stephen Sondheim. I saw my sister was in a production of Into the Woods in high school. And I remember I went to go see it and I was just like, completely bitten by the bug of not only Sondheim, but musical theater and textural music and complex music. And um, I, my interest began there. When I was 13, I wrote my first musical um, called Dream. A new musical is based on the life and times of Martin Luther King Jr. I got that produced in my local hometown. Uh, my family was super supportive of my musical endeavors. And it kind of has been a trickle effect from there to now. And it's a million things happened in such a short amount of time. And now I am lucky enough to be doing this full time professionally in New York City, uh, the greatest city in the world with uh, a lot of the greatest people in the world. So I'm feeling really excited. And and yeah, that's my really long winded. Who am I? I love to hear it. So, Daria, <laughs> so you said you started writing musicals when you were 13? Yeah. Musical theater for me. I just had such a vague understanding of the industry. Like mm-hmm. I had done, you know how you do the school, the school musicals. So I like knew what a musical was in that sense. I knew like church play. So I knew, I knew of that. I knew of, I guess, I definitely had an awareness of the, of like the Lion King and like all these shows, but I, it wasn't really until I saw, and I'm going to like opposite age myself a little bit, but when I saw smash the TV show, uh, I was in middle school and I was like, this is, wait, there's like, there's like an industry of people doing this in New York City, like what? And, and so it was like a culmination of like, me realizing like, oh, the music that I write and pop and gospel and stuff can go into a musical. And Mm. there's no rules for what a musical is, it's basically just a script and songs. And so I kind of it was for the purpose of doing my mom, my mom is a fifth grade teacher. And so she would always be, um, in charge of like the black history programs mm. in like February at the schools. And so I would always, she'd always have me like perform a tribute to some artist or something. Mm. And then the year that smash came out, I was like, mom, what if I do a musical about Martin Luther King Jr. this year instead? And she's like, what, you know how to do that? And I'm like, no, but I'll, I'll just do it. <laughs> so I kind of, I kind of just did it. And I'm completely self-taught. I've never had a piano lesson. And, wow. and so for me, it all is by ear. It was a really a playground for my imagination at a young age. And I think without that time when my mind was so fertile and able to learn things, um, I don't know if I if I hadn't done it then, I don't know if I ever would have right. come down this path. When did you decide to pursue this professionally? What really changed? What really clicked for you? To be honest, the moment that I realized, the moment that the doors opened for me to do this professionally full-time as my job was when I won Taylor Lauderman's Write a Lot competition. I mean, I had um, been writing musicals and just doing things on my own, writing standalone songs. I had produced a couple of my shows and gotten like one of my shows produced at Michigan state university as like a little student directed thing. And that was like, Oh, this is fun. But you know, no money was coming in from any of that. And so it was something that I loved and I knew I was going to do for the rest of my life either way, but it, it, there was no signs pointing that it would be financially viable, but after little Miss perfect and getting the visibility from that and the opportunities from that and um, 
getting plugged into the industry, mm. probably 2020 was the year that it all kind of came dawning on me like, oh, this is going to be my career. I can do this. And I have a team of people to support me and help me make this dream an actual finite reality. And um, so, yeah, I would say it was always my ambition. But until mm-hmm. 2020, there was nothing necessarily making it a viable career option. So I feel very blessed that that all kind of happened very recently and over the pandemic too, which was also weird. Like I see still to this day, people singing your music on TikTok and it's, it's like absolutely incredible and out of this world that that just all came out of uh, 2020, 2019, 2020, 2021, just insane. So my question for you is before we get into that, um, I know a lot of people listening today will have already heard the song, the standalone song, Little Miss Perfect. But can you tell us a little bit more about the contest and about how you got involved yeah. in that? Fate, honestly. I, I mm. was on I was on Facebook and one of my really good friends who is actually current, I'm gonna promo him. He's currently <laughs> um he's currently in the Australian production of Hairspray mm-hmm. um in the ensemble. His name's Kobe Brown. He tagged me on the Playbill post that I think at the time the Playbill post said something like Taylor Lauderman is looking for new songs to sing. Like it was completely <laughs> like generic and ominous. And, but it was like, it's a contest and like, she'll sing your song. And so I was like, okay. And I, I at the time I was going through like a lot of mental health stuff and my insecurity was at a low point. So I was like, I don't know that I'm going to do this. I'm not going to be picked for this. The amount of people who are going to submit for that, you know, uh, imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. saboteur, <laughs> mental thoughts. And so I was doing that. And then eventually my fiance, my now fiance convinced me to, um, to do it. And so I submitted this like big folder. I don't think you can do this anymore. I think now they've cleaned up how you can do the submission so that it's like, you could only do like maybe three or something. But at the time it was just like, you could send her a link and like a message. And so like my link was a Google drive folder. Cause I'm that girl who like is super extra. It was like a Google drive folder with like 12 songs in it of what I thought were my like most like iconic, brilliant musical theater songs at the time. Little Miss Perfect was not originally in it cause I hadn't written it yet. Mm-hmm. And then the other, like a few days, a few, maybe like a week after I had already submitted the folder, I wrote Little Miss Perfect. It was a super fast write. I wrote it in like 30 minutes. Wow. It was like just a, I just got it down. Um, had my friend record a, a little loose demo. And then I, I was like, oh, Taylor might sound good on this. Like, it's definitely not as good as all my other songs in this folder. But like, sure, here's a little poppy alternate option. And so I like, I remember clear as day dragging it like into the Google Drive <laughs> folder and being like, I don't know if she'll see this, but like, whatever. And then it was like, I don't know. I want to say like six months of like nothing. And I hadn't heard anything. And then one random day I get an email from her and she's like, congratulations. You should be very proud of little. And I was like, what? Like, (laughs) and at the time, you know, we as artists like love to judge ourselves as if our opinions of our work matter. So I'm like, out of all the songs I submitted in this folder, she picked my little boppy little pop song. And I was like, of course. No, but it was like such a, a funny, that was like a lesson I learned really early on. It's like, what you think about your work definitely matters. But the thing that hopefully the reason why you're an artist is to pass that on to other people. So mm-hmm. it came out and yeah, I mean, that was, that was how I got in. And then it was, I really had no idea the scope of what even the project was going to be. We didn't know that it was necessarily going to be an album. Um, 
Uh, and I definitely didn't know that Taylor Lautman would only be singing my song mm. on the album. So that was like a huge discovery for me. And I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Um, and yeah, we came out and we did a 54 show. And then that, I guess the rest is history, really. Yeah, it is. So you did that in what year was that? 2019? 2019, yeah. 2019. I think even before the pandemic, it started to really take off, I think, online. Am I wrong? It, it happened really randomly, I think maybe right before the pandemic because this this disney show called the owl house which is like this show this show about like witches and stuff they adopted the song as like a fan song for one of the characters and this person made like a cartoon and they call them animatics of of the song and and it just all of a sudden taylor texted me she's like do you know what the Owl House is? Everyone's commenting about it on the video and it has like a million views. Like all of a sudden, it just like randomly shot up to the first million. And I was like, no, I have no idea what this is. And it it just kind of happened. And so this fan base actually, a lot of those fans actually became fans of me once I made a YouTube channel and stuff. And I did some stuff to like make them happy, like fan songs for the Owl House. But it's just the power of the internet and the power of, of, nerds who are obsessed with something and will go <laughs> to like any length to like create content it's it's amazing and i love it oh that's it's so, so cool. cool so one day yeah. you just woke up and there it was and i think and so that was yeah. just youtube right <clears throat> that was even before yeah. tiktok before any of that yes yeah and that's i think what got the numbers up at first and then all of a sudden it was just on tiktok and i w- for a while there was this really dysphoric time where i was being sent little miss perfect by like <laughs> People like people would send me like random like people who I hadn't talked to since like middle school were like your songs viral on TikTok like ten times a day I was getting sent videos of people lip syncing to the song or like uh, uh, Conway did it like Claudia Conway did it and like Trisha Paytas did it yeah yeah and so I was like what's going on and it was just like a very weird cool time of like I would open TikTok. I, did, I didn't use TikTok often, really. I would only check it when people would yeah. um, tag me and stuff. And I would, like, scroll, and it would be like, dun, dun, dun. And now I think I have PTSD to those first, like, <laughs> the first bar of Little Miss Perfect. Like, I literally have such a deep cringe just because I've heard it so many times. <laughs> so it's just so funny. Virality is a weird thing, and it's cool and amazing, and I'm so thankful for it. And it's just... I don't know. The internet is a weird place. It just kind of... Things happen randomly, and you don't know until after the fact. I know. Isn't that so, so weird and so bizarre? And and it's funny because it wasn't even something that you were necessarily like focused on doing. No. Like, you weren't yeah. focused on saying, okay, I'm going to go viral. Like, it's, and it's never like that. I don't think anyone that ever yeah. has a moment like that, it's, it's never forced. It's just, here's my work. <laughs> Someone right. is going to see it and, and they do. And, and Uriah, you know, what's funny is I, I think about how Little Miss Perfect has changed so much and how it has grown and become something that is just something that you could never have imagined. And I'm curious, yeah. what kind of steps has it taken since since that song came out and since Taylor has sung it, you know, and yeah. how has it become what it is today? I guess for a little more history about Looms Perfect, an mm-hmm. unknown fact, when I say I wrote it in 30 minutes, that's technically a lie because <laughs> I actually had the concept of the song written in my mind for like a long time. Like, So what the, you're saying I, is you're I, a liar. 
I'm a pathological liar and composer. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I had the I had the idea in my head, like the, nah, nah, nah. and it's so funny. Yeah. Like when I was writing the song, I was like, nah, 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 and I knew that I wanted that melody, but I was like, I don't know what to say. And I was like, you know what? I'll just do a placeholder. And so the placeholder I did was na 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 la 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 la, and then that became. <laughs> I was just like, no, that's kind of nice. It like feels like loungy and cool. And so I ended up keeping it. But anyway, so I had this, the general song idea like years ago. Like I had had the idea of like, I had had that melody and the idea of like the opposition of perfection in something else in my mind. And then it, it ended up working out for, for this. Um, but after the song came out, I was like, okay. And immediately people were like, is this from a musical? And I was getting that comment all the time. Mm. And I was, I was like, no, I'm not doing a musical based on the perfect, like mm. absolutely not too much pressure. I don't know what people would want from it. And it just became a thing of like, as more people started piling on asking about it, more people started like fantasizing what the musical would be about. It's just like, how often do we as young artists get to have thousands, potentially millions of people wanting something and like, and was I really at a place to say no to that? You know what I mean? And so I was like, I was like, okay, I'll do it, but I'm going to, I don't want to just do a fluffy mm. pop music. I don't want to just do something just to do it, to make money. Like if it's gonna, if I'm going to do it, it needs to have some sort of message and it needs mm. to connect to me more. And it needs to be something that I will be proud of 30 years from, now, you know? Mm. And so then I was like, okay, well, I want to, I guess it would be a coming of age story. Of course, and there will be this girl who's going through the story as we know and Lim was perfect. And I was like, hmm, what if I set it in this backdrop of this of this high school where all this mm. stuff is happening, all this change is happening? And and a loose story kind of came to fruition. And I was like, okay, to keep people's attention online, I should like like whip up some ideas and just like release a little demo album. And so I did. I just did like 12 songs and it was just my first ideas, produced them out, had my some of my friends from college record the demos and posted them. And pretty soon like a fan base was created. Mm. The Loom was perfect fan base. They all started like piling onto the videos and being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And like commenting theories and obsessing over characters and all these little snippets. And so I was like, okay, I'm onto something here. Um and since then it has grown so much like it's it's changed so much i i've i've been like okay how can i make this the most current how can i make this the most mm. universal how can i make this have so much representation in it that's something that's really important to me so what i have now um is a full length draft of a new musical called the most perfect musical that is being commissioned by goodspeed musicals it's come such a long way and I just can't believe that it all started with that one song, you know? Curious <sighs> how you made the connection with Goodspeed and, and how you were able to, I don't know, get your name out there, get your get the word out there to them to start working with them. So that all kind of came through a trickle down of agents and stuff. Um, when everything kind of started to pop off for me, I was lucky enough to like get a music publisher hmm. and I got an agent and um, just connects who like were introducing me to people and I had all these meetings and I met people um the good speed thing actually happened because I met this wonderful woman named Nicola Fontaine who has now become one of my closest friends and she will be um the co-producer the co-lead producer of Lumen's Perfect Amazing. um she met me and was like whoa who are you I love your work she loved Lumen's Perfect she's like I want to be involved in this hmm. and so then my agent at the time um 
I was like, oh, I know, I know someone at Goodspeed. They usually do development stuff. And so an introduction was made. Um, I met Donna Lynn Hilton, who is the head of Goodspeed. And it still is like, yeah, in the, in the kind of development stages, we, uh, we I'm going to the the Writers Grove um, in a couple of weeks to go work on it for two weeks with my dramaturge. And then we will be featured in the, uh, Loom is Perfect will have a showing in the Festival of New Musicals. Um, on March 19th at 1 p.m. in East Haddam at Goodspeed Musicals. Um, so that'll be the first time the public sees any sort of a reading or performance of the show. What would you say is the overall message of the show? Why do you think it's so important? Is that on the way to perfect, we often lose things. Like we lose things on the way to perfection. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like, that's kind of the, the theme of the song itself. But Basically, our story takes place in a small town in Michigan, where I'm from. It's not, it doesn't take place exactly where I'm from. It takes place in a fictional place. But uh, it follows this young biracial girl named Noelle, who is very much doesn't know who she is and is kind of in the middle of so many things. Her racial identity, her standing as a student, her standing as a person. She doesn't really know who she is. Um, and is trying to like improve herself and create a, a future um, and at the same time, she's suddenly thrust into adolescence as she discovers that she has feelings for the foreign exchange student being hosted by her family. So she's like, it's right there in her face. She can't ignore it anymore. Um, she's dealing with a lot of things like mental health and the loss of her father. Um, at the same time, she decides to run for um, school student body president. Um, and so she kind of begins this quest of like trying to create the most perfect life for herself and and along the way loses who she is and um, has to kind of decide whether or not she's going to be true to herself and her, her peers and the ally to her peers as the social awakening is happening at her high school, or if she's going to be little miss perfect. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I would say the biggest theme is, is on the way to perfection, we often lose things and individuality and singularity is so much more powerful and, and, and being strong in your identity and your beliefs is what makes us, us Hmm. um yeah so i'd say that's the it's i'm still i'm still workshopping it there's so much there's so much to be discovered and writing a musical is such a weird thing because it's like when someone asks you what you're writing you're like i don't know i mean it's just (laughs) you know i i feel like we as right yeah we we as writers train ourselves to like say the perfect sentence of what it's about but i don't know i think that it's about a lot of things and i think it's it's about coming growing up i think it's about discovering who you are i think it's about um, the current times we're in, the, the mm. political climate that we're in, and how young people, I was really inspired by young people protesting like yeah. they were over the, the pandemic and the, the social reckoning that happened after George Floyd and how that had a trickle effect to our everyday lives and how now people are more aware. And so this show kind of reimagines the coming of age story in a in a world where teens aren't just coming of age. They're also like coming into their own as activists. They're mm. coming into their own as as allies and realizing their responsibility um, as privilege holders to help out, you know, other people and community. And so, yeah, I, it's, I want it to be a blend of inspiration, but also like fun Mm. and like bops. I love a good theater (laughs) pop bop. So hopefully lots of those. Um, And yeah. You know, when I first heard it, Mm. I, Thought to myself, I don't think I've ever heard anything quite like this yet. How would you describe the music in the show? There is an accessible pop part at the show. A lot of the show, what I really tried to do was base the show 
off of the song, not necessarily music, create a musical based on the song, but create, well, no, exactly that. But what I mean is, as opposed to just being literal and saying, okay, this is what the lyrics of the song were. How do I put that in a musical? Instead, I tried to find themes within the song that mm. I could then explode into other characters and other storylines to make it um, just a more diverse, not just racially, but also texturally and, and genre diverse project um and so it, it has a lot of you know that signature little perfect sound the like eighth note on the right hand dun, dun, dun. like a lot of that bounce that we know from little perfect is throughout the score mm-hmm. it has that pop undertone some like edgy kind of um almost like paramore vibes kind of throughout mm-hmm. um like some neo soul vibes there's a character named amani and she like raps yeah. so there's some like rap in it there's some like um, Neil Soul vibes, some R&D vibes. There's some gospel vibes. The opening number of the show um, takes place in a church. So we kind of see, we're introduced to our two main characters in, in their separate churches and we kind of hear that. Um, but yeah, I really try to lead with a sense of, and not all my music is like this, like the catchiness of Loom is Perfect is something that I was actually insecure about. Like I mm. said, like I was like, this fluffy pop song, like why is this being picked? So I usually try to sh- be as complex as possible you know studying Sondheim being a huge fan of Sondheim I have works that are way more musically complex Mm. um but what was really fun about writing Little's Perfect is trusting that simplicity and going okay what is the version of this that anyone could sing along to anyone could tap their toe to a high schooler could sing um and yeah, I'd say that the the, the genre is it's very diverse, but really rooted in the sense of pop and in a sense of honest storytelling. I'm just so fascinated by writers because, you know, you started with just this song for this musical, right? right? I know it's a different scenario for other things, but for this musical in particular, you just have this song. When right. you have a when you have this song and then just a blank piece of paper, like where do you start? How I did you already have the idea of this this story in your head or like did you write the show first and then the songs the songs and then the show so for me for me it came down to kind of deciding what the hero journey was going to be I knew that I had Mm. this main character and I I realized I had to change it because in the song rhythm is perfect it's this girl who's perfect and she's like I can't be gay because I'm perfect, right? That's the gist of the song, which totally works in a song. But I realized that that's not really sustainable as a character arc in a musical because Mm. nobody's going to be interested in rooting for this person who thinks that they're perfect. No one's going to relate to that. No one's going to feel... No one's going to feel like they have something to root for. And I also didn't want to play on this idea that somehow her being gay was a counteractive to her Mm. being perfect. And that was something that I'm like, I could kind of thematically toe the line with that. You have to be careful with those kind of things. And so I was like, what would be way more dynamic for her as as a main character is if she doesn't start off perfect. She starts off as herself. And if Little Miss Perfect in this idea of who she has to be to conceal who she is kind of becomes an arc. And that's where she gets to. For me, it started with the structure of like, yeah, how how do I make this person have a compelling story and a compelling arc how do I create a dynamic character who can change 
and grow and not be perfect the, the whole show. Because, you know, imagine a show where it's like, I'm perfect, but I'm gay. But I'm perfect, <laughs> but I'm right. gay. And now at the end, I realize I can be, but like, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it very much began like, okay, no, I, I, I have to achieve a certain amount to get what I want. Okay, but then I'm becoming obsessed with this now and trying to become this perfect person at any cost. And then through that, you know, we can have a lot of... So it start, I think for me, it's, it starts with deciphering who the main character is, what they want, where I want them to end up. And then kind of the details kind of just brainstorm from there of how do I, how do I get there? And that's actually the, the tough point I'm at right now is mm. I, I created such an original story now from the song that I am trying to also make sure that the, the elements that people loved about the song, just the romance aspect of this girl, this pretty girl who walks by her locker, that needing to be more prevalent and not lost in the sauce of this like crazy plot. So, you know, writing musicals is hard. It's a balance of like getting things down on the page, deciding that 80% of that isn't needed taking what the bones of what you have left and and shaping that out, making that clean. And that's what I'm right in the middle of doing now. Tell us about your other works that you're currently on top of. Oh my goodness. So I'm a crazy person. 2023 <laughs> is literally going to be insane. There's so many things that I actually can't announce yet, but there's so many huge things coming. The things I can announce are that I am working on another commission for Chicago Shakespeare Theater called Sinister, which I'm writing with the most produced playwright in the country and a dear friend of mine, Miss Lauren Gunderson. She's a genius. Um, and this show that we're working on um, is, I'll say, what I'll say is that it's a prequel to Macbeth from the perspective of the story's witches. So it kind of has some wicked energy. It's very contrary mm-hmm. to Little Miss Perfect, very complex music. I mean, it's very Shakespearean, honestly, at heart. So working on that, well, we just I just came back from Chicago. We just did our second workshop um, with actors, which was so fun. So I'm working on that. I'm a Dramatist Guild fellow this year. So I'm working on another show called How To You, um, which I started writing since I've been in New York and have kind of been developing on the side. And so doing that, which is super fun. Mm. Um, I will shameless plug. Um, I have a 54 show, part two of my show, Black Boy Joyful Noise, at 54 Below, will be February 27th at 9.30 p.m. at 54 Below. It'll have stars in it, such as Taylor Iman Jones from Six and Hamilton, Jay Quinton Johnson from Hamilton, Troy Iwata from Be More Chill, Tiffany Francis from Ain't Too Proud, Nico Oliveri, uh, Daniel Quadrino from Wicked and Newsies, Carolina Rial from The Voice, Bryn Williams, Alyssa Ray. So we have a lot of singers with a capital A (laughs) and some fun music and hopefully a lot of you. So come check it out. But yeah, this year is going to be huge and I'm so excited and I honestly am just blown away by like to watch your dreams like my dream as a kid when I was in high school I said if I have one of my songs performed at 54 below like not even if it's my show if I could because I was obsessed with like Jonathan Reed Gelt and Joey Contreras and Scott Mm -hmm. Allen and Ryan Scott Oliver and this underground scene of like new musical theater composers. So I was obsessed with watching the 54, as so many of us were. And I would sit and I would rewind, you know, that singer would do that riff and you would rewind to that one second over and over and over. I was so that kid. And so my dream became, if I just have one of my songs at this at this venue, that would be insane. So when that happened from Little Miss Perfect and Izzy McCullough sang it um, at the first Red Out Loud concert, I remember sitting there and being like, 
well, like, what's my dream now? And I was like, I guess I wasn't dreaming big enough. And it, and thankfully, the last few years have been a constant tick up, tick up of like, oh, I want to like maybe work on a movie. And then I did that. I worked with Pasek and Paul on Wild Wild Crocodile and Sean Mendes sang our song and, and met him and worked with him. And so it was like, not to get preachy, but artists out there, like, dream big and prepare to dream bigger. Like, it can be really easy to look at the things that you want to do and look at people doing things that you, I mean, especially different variables, like where you come from, your ethnic background, your sexuality, all, all these things that might make you feel like there's no one like you doing what you want to do. Sometimes you have to be the one. You have to be the one to kind of like prove to yourself that you can do it just by doing it. And I feel lucky enough that that has been my reality for the last few years and hopefully it will continue to be. I'm so excited for you. I cannot wait to see what this Thank next year you. is going to hold. It's it's uh, going to be incredible. My last question to you is just um, wow. how can we support you? Where can we follow you? Uh, yes. Yeah. So you could check out my website, www.jariahkwame.com. I'll spell that for you. It's J-O-R-I-A-H-K-W-A-M-E.com. Um, you can find me everywhere, social media at Jariah Kwame, same spelling. Um, and yeah, keep an eye out for some special announcements this year, hopefully, and mm-hmm. and some, some, some pop music that I'll be coming out with this year and just, yeah, support and share it and enjoy hopefully and yeah i don't know (laughs) you rock thanks for joining me you rock